We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Wednesday edition of the RotoWire NFL podcast sponsored by Yahoo DFS. I'm Joe Bartle. Yes, that's the voice that you heard on Tuesdays. It's actually heard the voice you heard on, uh, well, Monday, last Monday's podcast with Jeff Erickson. But today, it's not just Jake, uh, Jake Latarski that I'll be doing the podcast with. It's going to be Luke Hoover. Luke, it's been a little while since we've talked, uh, but we, we did get, to get a chance to really sit down and uh, hash things out in Vegas. How's it all been going with you? Yeah, it's a busy summer so far. You know, a lot of drafts already. Uh, just diving into some some shows, podcast, radio uh, over the next month. Things will pick up, obviously, since I primarily contribute NFL for RotoWire. This is my time of the year. I'm starting to get a little anxious, excited, and ready, raring to go. Yeah, and uh, I'm filling obviously I'm filling in obviously for Jeff, who's on vacation right now. But he's been kind of doing this roulette style uh, on Wednesday's podcast with different experts within the industry. I don't know how much the audience is familiar with your work, but I think it's probably a good point just kind of talking about what you do with RotoWire in terms of NFL stuff. Yeah, sure. So, well, going on nine years, which is kind of hard to believe, but uh, 
the past five of which I've written are exploiting the matchups column uh, in discussions right now with a couple of different editors about whether to tweak that, change it, continue it, uh, move on to something else. So anxious to find out, you know, exactly how that format will shake out over the next few weeks. But, uh, you know, prior to that, I contributed like game capsules, a uh, number of blogs, a few different things last year. And we're going to talk about it. And a, a, a topic I'm really excited about is vampire fantasy football, which I don't think a lot of people know about, but uh, I blogged about throughout uh, a lot of the off se- or last season and tweeted about it in the off season to start up some different vampire leagues. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this vampire topic too, and obviously that's kind of what we're going to be spending the duration of the podcast talking about. I, I was with Jake yesterday. We've been kind of highlighting auction values and, and certain auction strategies, but these unique and different fantasy formats are fantastic. Like I, I'm I'm excited to kind of break it down. I love doing those standard leagues. You know, the the two wide receiver or three wide receivers, two running backs, flex standard scoring. Those are all great. Done them a lot of times, but these different and unique twists on something that we all love. I hope, as long as you're listening to this podcast, like a Vampire League, which we'll get into a little bit more, is, is an exciting thing. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to having this conversation. We should touch on a little bit of news from Tuesday, though. Obviously, I was with Jake, uh, and we kind of rehashed what occurred sort of over the over the course of Monday night uh, and even into Tuesday. But uh, we had a little bit of news. Cooper Cup, the Rams wide receiver, really wide receiver three, and I've been an unabashed hater of him now for the last two seasons. He will not begin uh, training camp on the pup list. That's good news. He's recovering from a torn ACL that he suffered in week 10. Is there? Do you have any concern about drafting a guy like Cooper Cup? I, I would imagine now that he's going to be playing all of training camp, that would go to the wayside if you did have any concern. Not a lot of concern. Um, you know, there's not a, a ton of evidence of guys who, uh, receivers, I should say, who produced in a big way the first year back from an ACL. Usually it's that second season. Um, the, you know, the highlight that comes to mind is, you know, as we're both Packer fans, is Jordy Nelson. The year he came back from his ACL, he had a huge year, comeback player of the year, I believe. Um, you know, Cooper Cup's in a bit of that crowded receiving core. He stood out in a big way in the first half of last year. Uh, and we play in a league together, uh, you know, dynasty format for Otno that I've, I've owned Cup for since his rookie year, you know, got him super cheap, still have him super cheap, just offered him up in a trade. So I don't know if that says anything about my confidence for him this year, but um, targeting a similarly priced player that, that I think has a little bit more of a ceiling this season. I love Cup's ability and his fit within the offense and how McVay uses him. Probably would prefer to have him next year than this year. Yeah, he's going at the... Well, it's kind of like the end of the, the fourth round or beginning of the fourth round. In that fourth to fifth round area in NFFC leagues in a 12-team format, that feels like it's a pretty rich price for me um, for a player that, like you had talked about, the history of people coming back from ACL tears, it's successful now. This isn't the 1970s where that's a career-ending injury anymore, right? But at the same time, they really don't end up being themselves until it feels like a year or even two years after. Right. Well, and we've seen, and I, yeah, you're right. It's not the 1970s. ACLs are definitely not as concerned as they used to be, but we still have seen recent history of it. You know, Allen Robinson last year, um, not that this is a great talent, but Kelvin Benjamin after his rookie year, um, you know, toward the ACL the following year, struggled um, quite a bit through different stretches of the season. And I, like I said, you know, I think it's more about the not just the injury, but the the other options. You know, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, they're going to get a ton of targets. You know, that backfield is going to be heavily involved. You know, Gurley, Darrell Henderson. Uh, so there's a lot of malice to feed. Yeah, it's it's pick 50. I want to want to specify. So it's probably more like 
fifth round, uh, end of fourth round that you'd be taking. Again, that still feels too rich for me. I, I don't see his game is based off of quickness, right? Like he's he's a great slot receiver. He's able to kind of move around and get himself open. It's not a speed thing, and he doesn't have incredible measurables at six foot two, two eight. Um, I, I mean, like that's fine. He was only a third round pick. His contract, I don't know. It, Obviously, he's still in his rookie deal, but the Rams, given what they've paid for for all these players, and going to have to continue paying. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if not that they're going to phase him out of the offense in his third season, but if you were to get right in that fourth year, is it really a situation where you'd feel comfortable relying on him again? A, a late fourth round, fifth round pick is still. Uh, I'm not. Sure. I'm not sure I want to go that route, but yeah, at least you're echoing the same concerns that I have. Uh, another guy, Ryquel Armstead, who. Isn't isn't in the same level of cup in, in terms of talent, but situation potentially he could work really well in that Jacksonville backfield. He's going to start training camp on the Jags preseason pup list. Again, I, we specified with Jake yesterday, the preseason pup list is a lot different than the regular season pup list. If you're on the regular season pup list, you're at a minimum of six games. You can't return. If you're on the preseason pup list, at any point once you're able to pass conditioning or, or uh, whatever else is holding you back, you've proved to be healthy, you're able to then go and play. So that that right away like you're not being held out of anything you're not missing too much time it's just the fact that he's missing anything to begin with at the start training camp as a rookie running back who could have a prominent role if Leonard Fournette does get into uh, trouble with the team or illegally or even gets hurt which we've seen before he's going to enter into a very prominent situation so I feel like this could be a bit of a backstep for guys that are looking to take him in the 14th 15th round of drafts yeah you know it's definitely news to to keep an eye on you know Armstead is a guy I'm, I'm a huge NFL draft guy so you know, and I don't get to watch as much college football as I'd like to um, during the season, you know, writing for Rotowire and covering just NFL. But um, really liked Armstead's tape going leading into the draft. Loved the landing spot, you know, given the the idea that Fournette, now I'm not a big believer in injury prone, and I don't think for, you know, I don't have necessary strong concerns about Fournette going into the season. But there's a chance that a spot start here or there. You know, they want to be a run heavy team, they've got a big, you know, kind of mauling offensive line. They added uh, Juan Taylor in the draft to that offensive line. So I like Armstead's situation. So obviously the health is is a big factor. And Alfred Blue has been kind of a steady, steady guy, really durable. You know, the, the, if the, he latches on with the coaching staff in training camp, it might be hard for Armstead to see the field even once he is healthy. I, I do want to uh, say this, though, since Armstead uh, is going to miss some practices and some opportunities, very randomly thinking about different different running backs that might emerge in the course of the, the preseason. I would love to see, this is not going to happen, but I would love to see a Thomas Rawls revival since I happen to notice he's buried on the, the Jags depth chart. and He's been bouncing around since his, his one big year, a few years back in Seattle. You know, you never know how things will shake out in, in uh, backfield depth charts uh, during the preseason that are a little bit unsettled. Yeah, no, I, I've always liked Thomas Rawls too. And I never quite understood given all the retread running backs, like LeGarrette Blunt has gotten, two contracts that he had no business getting cj anderson for as great as he looked at times last year it never under or i guess late last year that was the only time cj anderson's looked good and that's where i'm i'd be concerned if i was the lions but i don't know why they really signed him especially with a guy like carry johnson but that's a different point altogether you're right i mean it's not a guarantee that Reichel armstead would even be the backup to leonard for the fact that he's gonna be missing any time whatsoever probably gives a little bit of comfort to anybody who is really drafting, and I, I don't know many people who were, but anybody that was drafting Alfred Blue or even a guy like Benny Cunningham who probably has a bit of a role as a third-down guy as is since we know the, Jet, well, the Jaguars don't really like to use Leonard Fournette as a pass-catching back despite the fact that he can be. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's very true. Armstead, 
I feel like some people in this industry, and I don't know if you feel this way, and I, I know I don't, some people are anticipating Armstead to already have a role as a red zone back for Jacksonville, regardless of an injury, regardless of uh, Fournette's stance. Is that something that you felt like Armstead could do if he was to miss, if he wasn't to miss any of the pup or training camp? Well, you know, he's got size. He's a physical runner. Ran really hard, you know, um, on his college film. Would he get some red zone work? Sure, you know. But what maybe, you know, five take carries inside the ten, inside the the twenty tops. You know, and that's merely if to spell Fournette or if he's banged up, he gets you know banged up in a game. Um, but I, I wouldn't expect him to be stealing goal line work from a you know a train like Fournette. Um, He's really more of a, a handcuff guy to me who might see, you know, four to six touches a week uh, otherwise when Fournette's healthy. But but I like the overall talent. He's got some quickness. He's a little shifty, has has good burst and acceleration once he, you know, locates the hole. And like I said, his kind of calling card is his physicality. So, um, yeah, there could be red zone work there, but probably not much. Armstead's listed height is 5'11", weight 220. He was a fifth-round pick in this draft. Leonard Fournette, comparison height-wise, six feet tall, 228 pounds. I think we're probably being a little bit nice as far as the weight goes. And, and <laughs> not by any, not, it's not like Fournette's fat or anything like that by any means. I don't want that to start blasting the airwaves. He's just a big guy, and he runs big, and he runs physical. He, he fits the mold of what or I'm sorry, Armstead fits the mold of what Fournette is supposed to do at his best, right? To be able to have elusiveness and agility, but be able to really run through people. And I think that's where you're getting the comparisons or thoughts that maybe Armstead fills in at the, the red zone spot. I don't I don't see that happening, but yeah, he probably is a pretty good handcuff, although now with him on the pup, on the pup list to start training camp, that might be a different issue altogether. Before we talk about the Vampire uh, draft and kind of you breaking it down, Luke, we're going to get a word from our sponsors, Yahoo DFS. It's officially July, which means football season's around the corner, and Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get in the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top-scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count, to, count towards your weekly score. Forget the time commitment, no waiver wires, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make those tough start or sit decisions. Just focus on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having the other players drop out early and not finish? Well, free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football but don't want to manage those teams all season? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams. You just play for free or play for cash. But most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join a league today at yahoo.com slash bestball. Coming soon to the Yahoo Fantasy app. Luke, we teased before that just about uh, the Vampire League itself. I think it would probably best, because uh, you had talked about with me at Vegas about doing a, a Vampire League, and I was super interested, but maybe break it down with the audience what we're even talking about here, because I think this is probably the first time many people are even hearing about this. Yeah, sure. And, and you know, you're not wrong. Um, it was hard to, you know, if I talk about it casually, people have no clue what I'm talking about. Um, Twilight. I was Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, the, the first blog that I wrote uh, last September was, you know, trying to be like, oh, I Googled, you know, vampire and fantasy to uh, see what might come up. And, you know, the, the results were interesting if you left the word football out. But uh, so, yeah, it's it's not something that's commonplace by any stretch of the imagination. I happen to see something uh, about it on Twitter. Um, it was a retweet by Matthew Berry, but he, you know, certainly didn't originate the idea. 
and uh, and and I kind of ran with it and kind of evolved my into a different format. But as soon as I heard about it, I was obsessed with the idea of me being the vampire. So, you know, as I explained it to you in Vegas when I was desperately trying to get us to put together a draft you didn't poolside. You did sell me very hard. I was I was in on it like right away. It felt like. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a really cool concept. So, you know, the thing is that the vampire team doesn't draft. So that person has to build their team from scratch. I set my three leagues up that I ran last year uh, as 10 team leagues. I felt like if I did 12, it was just taking away that many more players from the vampire to make it borderline impossible for that person to be competitive or to, to impact the league in the way that I kind of envisioned. So, you know, I, I had to be a vampire. That was my one caveat, you know, setting up these three leagues. I got to be the vampire of at least one of them. Uh, I had another person who reached out on Twitter and he said, you know, look, if I can be the vampire, I'll be in all three of your leagues. I'll be in however many leagues that you set up. Just want at least one shot to do this. And then one of my best friends uh, took over the vampire for the, the third team. So it, you had to be a little creative with how you set up the, the drafts because I couldn't find any kind of a format that would allow you to actually, you know, draft an odd number of teams. So I set up 10 team leagues and I couldn't have just nine players draft them. So uh, I, I did actually all the drafts in a different way. One I did on a site called Fantrax where I could do a slow draft. Uh, and then, you know, that person who was the vampire had to draft but would just, you know, take any player that obviously wasn't going to get drafted. I did the same thing when I did my league with um, uh, where I was the vampire. And I set it up as Yahoo, just a normal snake draft, like a 90-second 90 90 clock. And I would just take, you know, whoever was terrible my first pick. You know, unfortunately, uh, as a Notre Dame and Packer guy, not terrible, but, you know, Deshaun Kaiser, obviously he wasn't getting drafted, so I took players like that. Um, so the, the gist is then that team after the draft, uh, before the season starts, has to build, before anyone can pick up a free agent, builds their entire roster from the scraps, from whatever's left over. You know, and it's called a vampire league because, you know, just like a vampire, a vampire has to kill to gain its strength and to to survive this vampire has to gain strength by winning if they happen to beat a team they you know they kill them kill that team beat that team they can claim a victim so uh i was crazy lucky and actually managed to pull off a win in week one and actually two of the vampires out of these three leagues um pulled a miracle in one week one and i think in both cases uh playing against a team that had leonard fournette he went down in the first half so he like, kind of left a you know, sore spot on, on that the other team's roster. And uh, so I happened to claim as a victim, Zeke Elliott. You know, that that team's first two picks were Zeke and Fournette. Um, so I, I, right off the bat, I pick up a number one top tier, top three or five pick uh, running back in week one. So it can get really interesting, really fun. There's a lot of little wrinkles, you know, we can dive into um, as far as the format, as far as uh, stealing players and how, you can give the vampire a little bit of a fighting chance. So actually, the you know, talk about Reichwell Armstead is interesting and, and uh, like a great segue into a topic like this because you know if you're going to be that vampire, how you know um, second and third string running backs shake out is really interesting. If you know if Leonard Fournette gets drafted and then goes down in one league, actually, you know Jarek McKinnon. We did the draft literally the morning that Jarek McKinnon tore his ACL. You know, so uh, and that was actually the draft for my vampire team. I immediately said, all right, Alfred Morris is going on my roster. Uh, I did not take both both the Niners backups who didn't get drafted. So I didn't take Matt Brady. I picked the wrong guy. 
Um, but I wanted Morris just for week one, thinking he would get the, the bulk carries in that week. Um, you know, against a tough Vikings team. You weren't really wrong with that uh, assessment, obviously, towards the end of the season. That whole 49ers backfield kind of went crazy. But uh, the Vampire League itself. So you had three leagues last year or ten teams. Nine teams are drafting. Right. The the tenth team is just getting the kickers or backup quarterbacks of my beloved Packers. Um, we're getting Brett Hundley out there. You're landing. Um, I think Aaron Brooks probably got put up on that on my draft board as well we're going we're way back matt hasselback you're just drafting espn talent at that point for that 10th spot so nine nine teams are drafting the 10th team is not that week one are you then allowed to pick up a bunch of free agents that are left over um how does the waiver wire process work because i think that's probably a, a super important facet of the vampire league itself absolutely you know and it um it's been a topic where with with these leagues uh, an, another thing that i thought would be a cool wrinkle to include and, and add for like strategic you know decisions throughout the season because there's and we'll get into other rules but is that i set these up as keeper leagues so um everyone that was in these leagues for the most part has decided to stay in them i think i've had one or two people drop um but uh, the the feedback i've gotten because i'm trying to tweak the format to make it a little bit different or better um, was to tweak the you know the heaviest um, feedback I got was in particular around waivers. So yet you're right. Prior to week one, you build your roster. Um, I did force every team to draft a kicker and a defense, so they couldn't like stash a running back, a receiver, quarterback, you know, skill guy okay. to prevent the vampire from being able to get that person. So you have to really think towards the end of your draft. You know, there there were teams that would just take guys they didn't even want, but simply because they didn't want the vampire to have that team, that player. Um, so there's a lot of strategy that even goes into it that way. Um, real quick to circle back. So the, the drafting format, the best way to do it, by the way, is Google Docs. That's what I discovered. That was the easiest way. You could have nine teams draft and just input it into a Google Doc and you don't have to have the vampire involved at all. Like you could, that person doesn't have to even know about it and just, you know, can pick their team after they see the rosters. Um, as far as waivers, I did set it up to be, an advantage for the vampire to try to help make them more competitive because basically if you lose your first three, four, five games, you're you're out of the playoffs at that point. You're not catching up. But to, you know, because you're not stealing anybody. So obviously you're still just getting free agents. Um, but for the first half of the season, so we played, uh, we put six teams in the playoffs, which I might change this year. So we had 13 regular season weeks for the first seven weeks. So just more than half, uh, regardless of uh, where that vampire let you know happened to land in waiver priority, we didn't use Fab, and I felt like using Fab wasn't going to uh, allow us to create an advantage for the vampire week to week. The vampire moved to first, so the vampire might have made five or six transactions one week, you know, fell to last on the waiver um, ranking. That person, you know, that whoever owned that team moved right up to first at the end of the week. Um, so you have to be really strategic too with who you're claiming. Uh, I was lucky. Uh, in in week one of last year, somebody prior to week one after drafting him decided, hey, I'm going to drop George Kittle like right before the game started. Uh, and I made the smart decision of claiming George Kittle instead of TJ Yeldon, who was going to fill in for Fournette the following week. We knew he might get a at least a one-week start, but you know, I had just taken Zeke Elliott, so I was in good shape at running back. I happened to have James Conner that was uh, I think would set up for an unusual season to do the vampire. The fact that a couple of different teams got James Conner, you know, a top five to 10 running back um, right out of the gate. So, uh, but it, at the same time that impacts a lot of strategy. Cause I tried to trade him before week one. I was trying to, to shop him to Bell's owner. 
That, I mean, that that brings up a unique question. The Vampire League itself sounds amazing. Like I, I'm I'm super in on this. Uh, the concept is great. I love the vampire prospect itself. And I can understand why you or your, your friend or whoever else wants to be the vampire. I think in most cases, it would make sense, at least on paper, to be one of those nine teams that's being chased after by the vampire. Like if you draft correctly, if you're able to build a strong roster, uh, or, or at least even a competent roster, there should be enough times where you're winning over the vampire, where you're not going to be losing the situation. And, and that puts them at a disadvantage each and every week. However, last season in particular, it felt like there was an odd, a handful of oddball injuries. The Le'Veon Bell situation in particular uh, leave James Conner available, I think, for a lot of people. But I think of even, uh, like if you'd done this two years ago when, when Spencer Ware had went down, Kareem Hunt, who was like a 15th-round pick, ended up going in the second round by the end of August. But that was a, a preseason-ish injury, and that kind of opened the door. Do you feel like this season in particular – is a good season to be the vampire, or would you rather be those nine teams? And I'm, I'm prefacing this question saying you have to draft today. You can't draft in three weeks. You can't draft <laughs> at the beginning of September. You have to draft today. Would you rather be the vampire, or would you rather be one of those nine other people trying to beat the vampire? Right. Well, I, it's a good preface because I was about to say it's too soon to say um, because that's, <laughs> you know, obviously we didn't know James Conner uh, in, in July last year. We didn't know he was going to start week one. No one knew that. No one even remotely thought that. Probably. So uh, that changes a lot. Uh, and that's why I say, like, it's, you know, if you're going to be in a vampire league and you're going to be that vampire, it's really good to watch, obviously, all the activity with different backfields, because that's the hardest thing, actually. It wasn't too difficult to get quarterbacks or receivers, you know, stream a tight end, but to find a running back that could be productive in weeks one, two, three, um, super, super difficult, because even, you know, obviously the top backups that are going to get any kind of time in committees, they're getting drafted. So you're getting the guys that might, you know, you're hoping to catch five or six passes and maybe get eight to ten touches. So, you know, that said, I'm I'm the guy that will always want to be the vampire. Um, uh, coincidentally, one of the very few people that did drop from any of my leagues is a, a former ESPN uh, producer who who I know because, I, you know, for years have appeared on uh, ESPN Kearney, Nebraska. And he used to be the producer of uh, the Doug and Daddy show. That I, that I do a weekly call with and have done for like seven years. Um, so he heard about it, saw me tweet about it and wanted to be in it. He happened to finish last. So that as the key performance that I've set up, last place becomes the following year's vampire. Uh, he dropped, he couldn't, he said he's kind of more of a casual uh, fantasy player, you know, he, which would have made it really hard for him to be the vampire. He's, he would have been that vampire that loses, you know, goes 0-13 or maybe wins one or two by sheer luck. Uh, so you do want somebody who's really into it and kind of a dedicated fantasy player. You kind of have to be to have any success with it. Um, but he didn't, he dropped. So obviously I have a vampire spot open. My immediate thought was I'll take it. <laughs> this was the league. I was the vampire. And so my roster has some awesome keepers. I happened to um, get a hot streak last year. And this is part of the reason why I got a lot of feedback um, about trying to tweak it to really limit what the vampires can do. Um, I ended up winning nine games the regular season. I was two and four, one out, one seven straight. My roster is ridiculously stacked. Um, Saquon, Zeke, Kamara, you know, James Conner still, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, you name it. You know, I basically have the first round. Um, so, and we can get get to that about how I'm going to edit and tweak to to change that and help make that so it's not possible. But like I pointed out to these guys who've been doing this for a long time, I thought I had an advantage. I would always want to be that vampire, but this season, I don't think that, I think it's 
you know, at this point, I'm not identifying a running back unless, you know, Gordon really does hold out into the season and you can get a guy like Eckler. But even then, Eckler, Jackson, it's a timeshare. And you're not going to get them because we already know now going in and Eckler would have been drafted regardless. So it's I'm not seeing that running back barring an injury that is a guy who you can use week one effectively to try to get a win early in the season, week one, weeks one through three or four say well it's, um, it's funny so, you bring up melvin gordon because that was that was kind of one of the situations i was identifying in this type of format being able to strike gold whether what it ends up being maybe delvin cook gets hurt alexander madison becomes a step in or uh yep. well, wait we realize frank gore is actually 35 years old and the shell mccoy is just bad hey look at devin singletary like he could be uh, you know a film player especially when there's 10 teams i guess i would need to know the the bench spots like is it 16 18 14 yep. how many people are you drafting Right, right. Uh, obviously, a ton of important details we haven't covered yet. But so 16-team um, uh, roster. Okay. So, you know, you do the math on it. Um, you draft in 126 skill guys because you do have to draft a kicker and a defense. So it's nine times 14. Um, so, you know, you're getting your first player, your number one guy is player number 127, whatever that league thinks. And that's the other thing that's really cool about these leagues, especially having done multiple of them to see who does and doesn't get drafted. Like I was, I remember my draft was the last one and I was pretty upset that a a few guys that fell in other leagues didn't fall in mine. Like one, one draft, Kenny Galladay didn't get drafted. Um, Chris Godwin didn't get drafted guys. I thought had a lot of upside that was really interested in obviously Galladay paid out in a big way. You know, Godwin had some moments, uh, but that that made it particularly interesting. Uh, the timing is everything, you know, in a sense. Obviously, a couple of the drafts happened before anybody really believed Bell would hold out. You know, so those teams were able to get James Conner. Um, we kind of thought he might miss week one, and somehow James Conner still didn't get drafted in my league. That's why I was able to get him. I ended up throwing these together so last minute that I dra- we did our draft the Saturday before the season. Uh, so, you know, a couple of days after the last regular se- or uh, preseason game week for the preseason. Uh, and that would believe it was that Saturday afternoon McKinnon tore his ACL, like I said earlier. So, again, like the timing is so critical to, you know, from when you draft to when you have to set that the vampires to set his, his or her roster. And I set it up so that you mean you only had a few days. You couldn't like drag it out until like right before the, you know, the kickoff of the Thursday night, you know, um, premier game. And, uh, so that no one else could pick up a free agent. I wanted to at least give other teams a window to add, you know, uh, adjust the roster before we, uh, the, the actual season started. It's funny. I'm looking at the NFFC, uh, for 12 team and, and kind of the players that are around that 125 skill position range. Like we're looking at Michelle McCoy, uh, Ronald Jones, who I guarantee you will be won't be in that spot around there. The Justice Hill, 172. Peyton Barber, 150. There's a running back. Jerick McKinnon's kind of falling down. He's at 114. But there's some quality names. Like If you if you were listening to this podcast and were like, oh, my God, I am gung-ho on this vampire idea, you find nine friends. I don't know where you could find them. You find nine friends. Tweet about it. Yeah, well, if you, if you have nine friends, let me know. I, I could I could use a few more. Uh, you find nine other friends that are into the into this vampire format, and you put together a league. You decide to draft today. There's some actually really really great value that I think you could find, and it would benefit. Like I would rather be the vampire now, 
than I would be at the end of August. And I understand exactly what you're saying, and the Le'Veon Bell situation applies perfectly to a counterpoint to me and and what I what I'm thinking. But look, I just, it's like even a guy like Theo Riddick, who in the PPR format is it feels like he's guaranteed eight to ten points. That's kind of the players I feel like I would identify if there aren't any obvious targets that oh wow like. Melvin Gordon is going to hold out. I guess I should be using Austin Eckler and, and Justin Jackson. If there isn't any any of those type of guys, I feel like pivoting to a Theo Riddick or, uh, I don't know, I, I look at Doug Martin too, I, who, I, who I had a lot last year because I just didn't believe in Marshawn Lynch. Those are guys that I feel like will be obvious names will be there every time you're doing a, a vampire format like this. So you want to – I, I did um, blog for most of the season about um, how this was going uh once i realized it was exhausting and once i realized you know i probably wasn't getting a ton of readers on these blogs unfortunately because you know again it just i don't think people knew what the heck this was they probably were weren't paying attention to it because it didn't matter to their rosters or their leagues or whatever um and i did unfortunately give up before the end of the season uh i can go back and look at what my week one roster was yes you want to hear that yes yes so let's break this down on air we're going to talk about your week one roster from last season obviously james connor and i do want to get to the keeper point because i I, it almost feels like it's counter culture to what the vampire format's all about but if somebody was again we're talking like nine other people hey i really like this idea let's do it today i'm I'm curious what a, a roster would look like in that example Right. Well, so even before maybe going through my roster, because the, the thought process was influenced by scoring, we didn't talk through that. Scoring format's critical because you mentioned like a PPR theoretics valuable. Well, I, I, I decided um, and I, I went back and forth between this, but ultimately decided to do half point PPR. Yeah, that's good. Kind of split the difference. Obviously, those elite receivers in a full point PPR are just going to be so head and shoulders above like the Danny Amendola's and the guys that you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it in the scrap heap that I'm going to play in a PPR format. It helps the running, and it also felt like it helped running backs a little too much. I wanted to make it difficult to get those starting running backs at least early in the season. Um, where I also wanted to um, help the vampire a little bit, and I, this is just also a personal preference. If I'm the commissioner of a league, it's going to be a six-point passing touchdown league. I don't like, A, I don't like devaluing the quarterback. B, if it's good for six points in the nfl to me it's good should be good for six points in fantasy so that boosted quarterbacks additionally i decided a point for every 20 yards passing which further boosted quarterbacks uh so the the quarterback scoring was inflated i did i actually tweaked this for this year so i'm going to change it then to 25 or a point for every 25 yards passing because uh qb scoring was crazy and it made it too easy for a vampire to get a good quarterback and so week one i had jared goff and i had a choice of a number of different good guys including uh, i think i was i was torn between goff and jimmy garoppolo and i went with with goff i liked the matchup against the raiders defense a little bit better and ended up just being so so but uh so that was a big factor uh you know the as far as the the quarterback position and just scoring for running backs receivers tight ends the half point was important so I, I went with Goff, like we said, uh, James Conner. Uh, my starters filled out. And so we had two flexes, two running backs, two receivers. So I didn't demand you play three receivers as well, which also allows for a little creativity. So Conner, Jordan Wilkins got the start over, you know, with Marlon Mack sitting out and um, believe in his talent, liked this, the situation, thought the Colts line was going to make a huge jump like it did. Again, being an Notre Dame guy, I knew that Quentin Nelson was going to make a big impact. 
Um, at receiver, I went Tyler Lockett. And with my obsession and heartthrob from last summer, Anthony Miller did not pan out for week one. Anthony Miller is probably my worst guy in that in that uh, opening round, but I was saved in that same game by a Packer. Started Randall Cobb, who got that 75-yard game winner, who kind of put me over the top for the week. Uh, and then my other flex was Quincy Anunua, which I hit a home run with. It was half-point PPR. He scored in week one. I want to say he gave me somewhere around 16, 18 points um, in the flex. And I, I used him because I said, you know, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I wrote about him uh, in the exploiting the matchups column and said, you know, he's going to he's going to be the, – the, the Lions were terrible against tight ends the year before. The, I didn't trust their linebackers or their safeties. Noon was going to basically be the tight end for the Jets, at least out of the gate, and be the security blanket for Sam Darnold. So that one worked worked well for me. Uh, went with Jack Doyle, tight end, and he was okay, he was steady. And the defense actually got a minus two on, if I recall correctly, and still won because I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to turn it over against the Saints. They've got a good secondary. They played so well last year. They got you know Cameron Jordan, good pass rush. They should trounce <laughs> Buccaneers and then. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick throws for 400-something yards. I don't know, four or five total touchdowns that he had. Um, so the Saints were almost killed me. I ended up winning by 20, though, against a team that started. Now, so this, I mean, this this team should have never started this particular quarterback, but started Matthew Stafford, uh, Zeke and Fournette at running back, Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup uh, at receiver, uh, Jordan Howard, Marshawn Lynch at running back, Njoku, David Njoku at tight end, um, the Bears defense, who scored a touchdown yeah. against my Packers and had a huge game, uh, and Matt Prater. I didn't call out my kicker because I actually waited, and I did this every almost every week that I didn't roster a kicker until right up before kickoff, so I could hang on to an extra skill guy and uh, and decide you know last minute who do I want to hold on to because it's also critical like for these benches to try to hang on to a guy prior to that next week. And I made the wrong decision a few different times where, you know, then there were like two different guys I wanted to claim going into the following week and could only get one. Cause I did move back up to first on the waiver wire, but you know, I, there was multiple guys I wanted. So, and I actually have the benches too, just to show you how thin these teams are uh, running backs. My backups were Alfred Morris and Ty Montgomery. Uh, I thought I had started Morse, but it turns out I guess I didn't like the matchup against the, the Vikings, who would. Yeah, okay. um, I, I don't blame you on that I, decision. Uh, receiver, I went deep at receiver because I want. I felt like, again, you know, it was going to be easier to find talent there, and I wanted to have upside going into the following weeks. So Kelvin Benjamin, who, you know, number one for the Bills, it looked like certainly, and a guy I felt like could get 10 to 12 targets any given week. Um uh, Cameron Meredith, you know, liked the talent, thought he might emerge as the number two for the Saints, just couldn't stay healthy. Uh, Josh Dotson, who, yeah. again, you thought might be the number one for Washington. Mortally interested in him, it feels like. He's my kryptonite. Oh, yeah. Well, I've had him a couple of years. I'm giving up on him. Uh, another guy who's probably a lot of people's kryptonite, Devontae Parker, who would be a target of mine again in this format. if he, you know, He's not going to probably be a hop, top 126 player picked. So uh, Parker could be a good stash, especially if Fitzpatrick's the week one starter. And then lastly, Calvin Ridley, who I decided last minute not to start in the Thursday night game against the Eagles last year, put up a goose egg. So I felt good about it. But then I dropped him. Luckily, I was able to get him back after his three touchdown game. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. That's or after after not after three. He scored one, I think, the following week and then three the next week and actually started him with for the three touchdown game. 
that's, um, that's fortuitous. Yeah, no, that, I mean that's a good, that's a deep roster, and the receivers in your bench at the time, it's 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 hard to think back to week one of the 2018 season, but those are guys that you could you could easily talk yourself into. Anthony Miller, you were talking about, was the the weak point of your starting lineup, and I I understand where that kind of failed, but every one of those guys have made sense. You're right, the running back was the toughest spot. Uh, to really find value, at least, or when you're running through yep. the roster, so I, I can understand that as well. I want to talk to you about um, things that you've learned last year doing three vampire leagues, and what you'll be changing for this season. But before we do that, let's get a word from our sponsor, Superdraft. The future of daily fantasy sports has arrived. Experience Superdraft's exclusive game mode, Multiplier. Say goodbye to salary restrictions and hello to lineup freedom. Use your fantasy sports knowledge to draft any player you want and build your very own dream team. Countless lineup possibilities let you experience daily fantasy sports the way you want. Superdraft offers contests for NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, and PGA, so you can enjoy the best of all DFS all year round. Sign up for your Superdraft today using promo code RotoWire and claim your free $5 in Supercash and free $3 entry with your first deposit. Download in the App Store or play at Superdraft.io. Superdraft. No limits. More winning. So we talked about the vampire format i think the i hope the listeners have got the idea down but again 10 teams 16 16 roster limit you have to have a kicker defense you're starting two running backs two receivers flex quarterback scoring is a little bit different that's great awesome what are some things that you're going to be looking to change for your vampire leagues this year is it that you want to make it more difficult for the vampire do you feel like you have to adjust off of one really kind of wonky season and wonky situation with james connor in particular or are you trying not to mess with the status quo too much? So uh, <laughs> this is how serious I, I am about this. I, I tried to actually get or I, I you know checked with these different leagues to see, hey, did, did anybody want to put together a competition committee <laughs> to to try to come up with some ideas to tweak and improve the format? I don't want to. And, and uh, someone actually uh, the other one of the other vampires who's in all three of the leagues. I think he said it really well because there was, like I said, the league I was in, I received the heaviest criticism for the advantages the vampire had. And it was generally like he shouldn't be first on the waiver wire at all or, you know, at different times or it should be shorter, maybe two weeks, three weeks, something like that. Or he shouldn't be able to pick uh, steal players from teams twice, which I did. Um, I even actually happened to win a week where I happened to be away for my birthday uh, on the weekend, and I simply forgot to put in um, who I was going to steal, so I didn't get to steal him. So I I left Dalvin Cook on that person's roster. So uh, well, you're it, being generous. That was that was yeah, the birthday well, spirit you're feeling. The magnanimous. At that point, I you know I I thought I was going to win it all. I did lose, even as stacked as I was with Saquon, Zeke, Kamara, Connor. Somebody had dropped Big Ben, and I picked him up. Um, you know so. The vampire also can benefit from people just making mistakes, like getting George Kittle week one. Um, you know, at receiver, I had Adams, Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, Juju at the end of the year. I actually benched Hopkins in the, the semifinals uh, when he went off against the Jets just because he had been a little quiet, and that almost cost me. So anyhow, the other two vampire teams did not do nearly as well as I did, and one of them even had James Conner, and the, t- the team that didn't have James Conner had Galladay still won week one and claimed Kareem Hunt. Those teams won. I actually lost to the Vampire in in one of them, by the way, and he took Nick Chubb off my roster instead of Joe Mixon because he liked him for a keeper better the next year. 
you know, we can get into that. Um, but those teams won four and five games respectively and really didn't and got a couple of like the wins late just because they had started to build a little strength. Other teams took some injuries on teams had bye weeks that hurt, hit them harder. Um, but so as far as waivers, uh, I am going to make a change to that. Like I said, the, the vampire will be first in, uh, on waivers for the first seven weeks. However, if the vampire gets a win, they stay wherever they are. If they're fifth on in the, the waiver order, they stay fifth because they got a win and they got to take a, a, a really good player off a team. Uh, and the, the format that Matthew Berry had retweeted was where, where it was kind of different was that um, you actually had to trade like a starter for a starter. I felt like that's not that, that helps the vampire, but incrementally, you know, yeah. potentially, and it had to be the same position. So I'd say, you know, you want to take a running back, but you already have a couple good running backs. You played both of them. You have to give up one of your best players for a, a better player, certainly, but how much of a better player? Like if I had to, you know, if I thought James Conner was going to lose his job, Bell was going to come back in October and I gave him up for Zeke week one, that would have crushed me. So I didn't want to do that. In, in my league, you just, you drop whoever you want to drop from your team. It could be any player. Could he, it, 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 I might've made a rule. I'd have to double check, but it might've not have been able to be like your kicker. You had to drop a skill player. Um, and then you take whoever you want off that other team. Here's a rule we didn't get into that's important. Your opponent can protect a player any oh, given week, okay. but only once. So if you happen to be one of those unlucky like four teams who plays the vampire twice, you can only protect a player one time, um, which is it creates a, the levels of strategy that you don't get in a lot of other formats. So think about how you protect a player. You have to bench him. You can't use that player against the vampire. So it weakens your overall team to protect Todd Gurley or Zeke or whoever your best player might be, you know, and, and risk your second or third best player, depending on who the vampire wants to, to take off your team if they win. But so um, this was a suggestion as far as the waivers. I think it's it's fair um, because being first does really start to help if there's, especially in a year, like if there are a lot of injuries. I don't remember getting anybody that like, was a superstar off waivers. Somebody did drop Tariq Cohen, and I claimed him. He was my top claim because uh, I think he got off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, but the other biggest changes that I made were more around, like, vampire steals. So, um, you know, last year you could take anybody you wanted off a team. At the end of the year, I looked – my roster looked like the first two rounds of this year's draft. So – Somebody came up with a very good suggestion to say, let's limit um, steals that the Vampire can make for first and second round players. So if, you know, uh, if I took Zeke in week one, I can now only take one more first round pick because he, of course, went in the first round. So I can only take a maximum of two first round picks and two second round picks for the entire season. So, where do so you that's going to make it a lot tougher on the Vampire. First round pick thing off of like do you go off the nffc adps or, or how do you decide no, of our of our draft oh okay okay yeah, so guys the first drafted. or second round of yeah. your draft okay exactly yeah so if somebody took uh you know happened to get uh, uh tyree kill was a I think a third round pick in the the draft that i was in um i could take tyree kill off a team if i've used up my first and you know my two round two first rounds and my two second round picks but if Devontae Adams was on that same team and he was a second rounder, I can't get him. 
Oh, that brings a lot of different strategy. Uh, that, that that's that's the vampire too. In a ten-team league, there are some guys that could end up slipping. Like Marlon Mack would be a third-round yep. pick. Well, going think about this though, too, because only nine guys are drafting, so there's only eighteen right. first and second-round picks. So it's not totally limiting this vampire, um, but it does make it a little tougher. Like I said, you know, at the end of the year, I had three first-round running backs. Um, you know, probably. Th- two or three second round receivers, at least guys that would be second rounders this year. I don't think that they were last year. Like Juju didn't go in the second round. Um, so, you know, there are some ways that I'm limiting the vampire. It's going to make it for, for, you know, an average player. Cause this is the, this is the, and here's my biggest worry. Um, I set him up as keeper leagues. Like I said, the, the last place team will be the, the vampire the following year. How serious is that team if they stunk the year before? No, <laughs> you know? and, and actually, I wanted to get to the keeper uh, conundrum because I, I do think it's a conundrum, especially in this format. But I do want to get a word from our sponsors, FancyDraft.com, first beforehand. FancyDraft.com would like to bring you an important message about Rake. Are you tired of paying high fees to play Daily Fantasy? Did you know that over time, these fees, called Rake, can cost Daily Fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As Daily Fantasy sites continue to raise Rake, prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More Rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big DFS sites and less money for players. But change is coming. Starting in July, Fantasy Draft is changing the game by bringing you rake-free daily fantasy. That's right. Soon you'll be able to play your favorite contest without paying any rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. Playing your favorite contest rake-free on Fantasy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake-free daily fantasy is truly a game changer. Just imagine what playing on Fantasy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FantasyDraft.com today and be the first to know when the rake-free revolution begins. Use promo code RWNFL to receive a free seven-day trial. We've talked about the vampire format. We've talked about the scoring. We've talked about how they had success in the league, almost to your detriment, it feels like, because now you're in a conundrum in year two where you have almost two stacks of a team, and I think it makes it difficult for anyone to come in and be like, I want to be a successful vampire player or even be a non-vampire, one of the other nine players, and feel like they compete against a roster that you have where you're able to acquire just about everyone that was <laughs> remotely good, it feels like, last season or at the top of their fantasy game. Right. Well, I, I mean, I like to remind people I did lose in the, in the finals and I actually got my butt kicked. Um, you know, Saquon didn't do well. And I, I'm looking back at this the roster. I don't think there was anybody I didn't really mention that was a you know big player. Uh, but the the other team was also really pretty stacked because that's the other thing is like nine guys are drafting. You can create a, a phenomenal roster just as a, in, in the draft and then any you know handful of uh, changes you might make throughout the season. So it, it's it's really, really difficult. These other vampires didn't finish last, and that's one of the rules for the keeper format is that if the vampire happens to finish last, then ninth place in the regular season instead of tenth. Uh, would become the the vampire the following year, and if and there's you know I set up tiebreakers of course as well, um, so it's 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 definitely uh, still a very difficult format. Even though I had a lot of success, I wouldn't expect to be able to duplicate that. I think that was sort of, of something that's going to be super rare, which is actually also why one of my favorite rules I set up is that uh, if a vampire does go all the way, I run the table, you know, take the crown, win it all. It's winner take all as far as the payout. So. Uh, there's no second place paid at that point. There's no, you know, and I usually only pay first and second place, but um, so that that's something to think about. But the the keeper piece of the the format, which is obviously a you know strategy piece for 
normal teams and the vampire, which is why a guy took Nick Chubb off my team instead of uh, Joe Mixon. You have to keep two players. Obviously, the vampire can't because they can't come into the uh, season with a roster. So they're not keeping anybody. Um, so stinks if you're a vampire and you happen to somehow finish last but have like a superstar you'd want to keep. Uh, so the it's you lose a pick for the player you keep, and it's determined by cost of acquisition. If it's a player you drafted and you took in the fourth round, it's going to cost you a fourth round pick. Uh, for the coming season. If you decide to keep that person the following season, it's going to cost you a third round pick and so on. So obviously a first round pick, you only get to keep for one year, which stinks, but that also kind of keeps putting the the best players back into the talent pool, uh, back into the draft. So uh, obviously you want to hit a home run on a late guy. And when I say cost acquisition, I mean, if you pick up a free agent, like my my keeper decisions are going to be really tough for the team that I where I was the vampire because – I have James Conner that I can keep from my my last round pick because I keep picked him as a free agent. Uh, but I also have all these other studs. I think Devontae Adams went in like the second round. I could keep him for a second round. I got George Kittle for free. I keep Kittle for my last round pick. Uh, and if you happen to do that, you keep two guys. You got his free agency. You lose your fifth, 15th and 16th. I haven't figured out yet how you designate which one in case you wanted to keep them subsequent years. But um, so it's cost acquisition. If you trade for a player, I happen to trade carry uh, on Johnson last year for Joe Mixon when Mixon got hurt. Uh, and I have, I was deep in that league at running back. Mixon was a third round pick. If I want to keep Mixon, I lose my third round or I don't lose, you know, the carry on Johnson pick or anything like that. Oh, that's interesting. I, I guess I, yeah, you're right. So your lineup was stacked as a vampire, but because you took, second or first or whatever you weren't in last place therefore you are now sh- uh, shedding the vampire designation to whoever was in last place in that league that's that's i'm understanding that correctly yeah right okay. exactly you well, know so, I, I so then you can you can have this awesome keeper league um kind of format you can still have your good players but it sounds like the movement happens frequently a because there's nine people drafting so the rosters are just a little bit smaller you're gonna be cutting people more frequently like we saw with george kittle uh james connor also being available on frequency week one of last season but then you're also seeing the players move around either by trade or the vampire winning a game and then taking a player so there's there's enough player movement where even if a team is unfairly balanced to start the season more than likely, especially with the attrition rate and injuries and whatever else in the NFL, that probably won't be the case by the end of the year if you're doing a keeper format. Right, right. Yeah, and, and my my favorite um, story, when you talk about like adding in wrinkles as far as trading and stuff like that, uh, this is another thing that I added. But, you know, if you uh, – because I, it, it, I didn't think about it before it came up. Somebody had – after I stole Alvin Kamara off a team that I want to say was like first – at the time I stole him, I was one in three or four, and I uh, won and took uh, Kamara as my second victim. Uh, that team was like dead set on staying competitive since they were number one at that point in the, the league. Went out and traded a, uh, I want to say a first round pick for Melvin Gordon or something like that. Oh, so you can trade um, picks for following years. Right. Um, so they traded or maybe a second round pick, but they traded a pick where they would want to, they no longer had that pick to keep the player they had in the second round. Does that make sense? Yes. So uh, I pointed this out to that person and, and he was like, well, I would have never made the trade if I didn't think I could keep this person. Um, so I had to f- 
think through that and how to, to set that up. So it's just kind of establishing it going forward. Because another thing that you might want to think about when you're making trades, but we had some really unique situations as far as trades. I'll point out too, um, once I had Zeke and Kamara, I was coming up to play a team that had um, Saquon and Julio were their top two players. And I was trying to trade Zeke and James Conner for Saquon because I was approaching, I want to say it was Connor's, uh, I, I was Zeke, Zeke was going to be out. Um, I, I don't remember the exact situation, but so it, it was, I was trying to sort of trick this player because they were missing Julio and I was going to give them two players for one. Yeah, Zeke, so Zeke was going to be out, but I was trying to give him Zeke and Connor for Saquon basically so I could play Saquon against just James Connor because Zeke was going to be on bye. And then thinking I would win, I would steal just steal back Zeke and essentially swap uh, Saquon and Connor. Uh, the other one of the other wrinkles I didn't talk about yet: you can't protect a, a player on bye week. And my thought process behind that was that player is already on bye week. You have to bench that player. It's not a choice to sit them. You're forced to sit them. So they're unprotected. If you want to protect somebody else, you got to bench whoever else that is. And protect them and just weaken your team that much further otherwise you have to play with what you know the best roster you can put out with dealing with the bye weeks it's luck of the draw as far as you know when you play that vampire so uh, this player ultimately decided even though it was a good offer not to take the deal i just beat him anyways and took saquon off his team that's who finished last <laughs> he went he just went on a huge tear losing games you know he was his strength was saquon and and Julio and without Saquon, he crumbled. So uh, it's, it's really interesting that way. But then in, a, in the another league, um, uh, Jim Coventry, who yes, you know, is one of our, our colleagues and writes our IDP column, does a ton of stuff for Rudolph. He agreed last minute to be in the league, had a really like solid team, was kind of steady. And in the second half of the year, it took off. He had drafted Saquon. And he made a super, super shrewd move that the week Saquon I was on by, he happened to play the vampire, couldn't protect Saquon, so he traded him straight up for Christian McCaffrey. He won that week only because of that trade. He would have otherwise lost based on scoring. And had McCaffrey going forward, who was a beast down the stretch, um, and, and in part because of that, in part because he picked up Derrick Henry, who I dropped, uh, Jim ended up beating me in the championship of that that league where where I was the number one seed going into the the playoffs and my team was pretty loaded. So some rotowire blood going against one another. I it, see. Yeah, he was the only other writer in any of these leagues, but um, that trade saved his season. You know, otherwise he loses Saquon and his team just totally goes in the tank. But otherwise, he you know making that deal, he ended up winning. And we were all looking at the trade like you know this collusion. Like just pointed out to me, like, you know, you can't trade back to like make sure you know to get Saquon for CMC the next week <laughs> just to be clear I want to make sure you did this on purpose and yeah it was, um, so that was really interesting oh, I agree and the whole concept honestly has been interesting I appreciate Luke you coming on and talking yeah. about the Vampire League itself is there uh, well do you have anything going currently up on the site are you going to be working on stuff and, and do you want to at least plug your Twitter handle real quick before we sign off yeah, absolutely. Sure. So, I mean, I haven't um, been posting much at all lately. I did a couple things for the Matt Rotowire magazine that's now published. You should pick up. 
But, um, you know, beyond that, I do want to try to get some blogs out for um, the draft that we did together in, in Vegas that we do annually, um, you know, in a suite uh, when we do this RotoWire get together. Uh, would like to, to try to get a blog going for my team there. I also participated in the uh, uh, Brad Evans put together the uh, Sin City auction that we did at Caesars, um, you know, 14 team league auction, unique format. Um, Kind of a, a wild draft, a lot of fun, a lot of booze, a uh, really, really good time. And uh, I took some interesting positions on guys like Baker Mayfield and Chris Godwin, both of whom I spent way too much for because I'm obsessed with them. Um, but I'm going to try to get a blog out for that one as well. And I, I just did my first Scott Fishbowl draft, my first year doing um, that that league. It's a super, super fun league and cool format. So got some drafts I'd like to recap. Beyond that, I don't really do a ton uh, of preseason stuff I'll tweet here and there uh, but then I'll really get going week one once we lock down exactly what my column will be this year um, Twitter handle if you want to follow me learn about Vampire Leagues you know DM me to try to see if you can be in one I do have one or two spots I'll have to fill and I might pick up a fourth might do a Rotowire one Joe if you want to do that oh, but, I'm already in you uh, know it <laughs> yeah absolutely so Twitter is uh, you can find me at, at uh, Hoover underscore L underscore A a horrible handle that i created years ago that's hard to remember that i i should have gotten done something football related but um follow me on twitter you learn more about these vampire leagues oh yeah i, I agree well and, and that does it for us in the wednesday podcast but i did want to give a, another thank you to you luke for coming on uh while jeff is on vacation and uh, having a good time so thanks for stopping in thanks for breaking down the vampire league thanks for getting me now obsessed with a different fantasy format that i didn't even know was possible uh and yeah if you guys are interested in the vampire format want some more information definitely reach out to luke um and and he'll give you all the the rundown for it so thanks for listening to the road aware nfl podcast we'll be back in thursday i'll be back on tuesday but we'll have another show thursday for you guys so thanks for listening Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.